Another episode of Crystal Myth, the wonderful world of myths and legends, and somewhere in between, some truth, some bullshit. We explore it all, <laughs> and we're here with Mark and Yasmin. Hello, <laughs> are you there? Hi. Ah. Okay, pal. Hey, me. Um, our last podcast, the Pokemon Go thing. No, yeah. oh, sorry, Pokemon Wing. It, it inspired me to just start catching Pokemon again on my phone. So I redownloaded the app. Still run, like is it still like? Yeah, yeah but it's changed yeah. a lot. It's it's actually a lot different than it used to be. I think they've improved it because there's a lot more variety of Pokemon and instead of the Pokemon appearing straight away, you use your camera and then bits of grass appear in your room and you you basically touch the grass and then the Pokemon appears, which I don't really see the point of, but okay. And then you get to feed your buddy as well because you have a Pokemon buddy and you can feed him and then he'll go and follow you everywhere. But I've only been doing it from the inside of my house. It's not like I've been walking to Pokestop, so that's why I run out of Pokeballs really quickly. Anywho, (laughs) lots of new ones. I caught a, oh, what was it called? The one that was based on the the Goblin, the (laughs) the Kentucky Goblin. Caught one of them. I was really excited. It's like a new. <laughs> and I'd never caught one of them before. Anyway, this week we are focusing on. I mean, I joined the cult of Pokemon Go, but yeah. we're going to be talking about other cults that aren't suicide cults like your week. Well, was Waco a suicide cult? I don't think it was. I think they just thought they were going to be. Yeah. Or what was the one? They shot them all to stop uh, suicide. Yeah, I know. What a way to stop people from, God forbid, committing suicide by burning them all down and then shooting them all to death. <laughs> yeah. Did you find when you're looking at cults that they all seem to be like money or sex based? Everything I came across was sex-based. Like, they're all just... Thumbs up, Scientology. <laughs> yeah, basically. The one I looked at isn't um, really money or sex-based, but it's also really, really old. So, like, really, yeah, really Yeah, that'd be interesting. They must have some sort of sexy times, but obviously... I mean, I mean, I'm sure people who are the cult still had sex, but... No, but it wasn't, like, a cult, like, making, forcing people to have sex or basically... No. Yeah. Or it's usually one man that wants all the women yeah. to have sex with him because yeah. he's, like, the head of the cult and they have to worship him through their vaginas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like they prey on, like, really vulnerable women and, like, brainwash mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I think Scientology just preys on generally gullible and vulnerable um, and, and idiot celebrities, but we'll get yeah. to that. I've noticed so that yeah. celebrities that sign up to these things as well. I don't know. I, I mean, I think that Scientology isn't, isn't as appealing as it maybe once was because a lot of people are exposing the abuse and the, yeah, the stupidity of it all, like the sinister side of it. 
Yeah. And hopefully the stupidity or, but like, offensive to people's beliefs. Like, mm. All these things. Stupid. I suppose depends how you look at it. Like one could argue that all religion is stupid, but you can take some elements of it that would be helpful, which is kind of what Scientology claim to be. But at the same time, they're not. Um, but anyway, um, what's this mysterious ancient cult that you've got for us, Mark? I, I enjoy that you all- called it a mysterious ancient cult because I'm yeah. going to look at the cult of Mithras, but the Followers of the cult of Mithras obviously didn't call it a cult, but they also did. Mithras says, "I am a follower of the mysteries of Mithras." So that was like the full name of the religion was the mysteries of Mithras, which sounds a bit like wow. A maybe I used to be in that cult, and that's why I called it the mysteries. <laughs> it's like you, and it was a cult. Well, it's like a cult, and not again like sex or money, but it's a cult. And we use the word cult today in the sense mm-hmm. that it was like quite not that small, but like it was a small religious group, and it was quite secretive. Like a lot of their practices, we only know about now because of like archaeologists and uh, sociologists like looking into what they used to do. Because at the time they kept a lot of their practices a secret. You would only know what they were doing if you joined the cult. Mm. Um, also a cult in the way that... So it was like in the ancient Roman Empire. And they used the word cult in a different way. So Yeah, called, they, had, they had the cult of Isis that came over from Egypt. And yeah. they called various different factions cults. And also when I went to Pompeii, there was this amazing house. It's called the Villa of the Mysteries. And it's got weird paint, like actual like amazing frescoes in there and there's some strange some um symbolic symbols or something symbolic images and they say it was a place for women to gather it was like a, a women feminist cult oh that sounds cool but it's called mysteries so again there's a mystery thing nobody actually knows what went on i think yeah there's the again like that's the kind of cult idea that we have so i think quite a lot of them were like this mystery thing but then also like just the word cult in ancient like roman empire was applied mm-hmm anything that wasn't either the religion of the state which at the point in time when this cult was sort of big was what we now call like roman polytheistic paganism because obviously mm-hmm. romans had a thing where they had lots of gods and you didn't all have to worship the same gods so if you didn't follow that belief or one of the like other big global religions so like they wouldn't have called judaism a cult and they wouldn't have called what we now call hinduism although it wasn't called hinduism at the time a cult but would they have called Christianity a cult? Surely that yes, would have been a cult. It was one of the... The cult of Mithras was one of the three biggest cults, although they were really small, in the Roman Empire. So one of them was the cult of Isis, which you've already said. The cult of Mithras mm-hmm. cult of uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So wait, what's the difference, what? like, officially, what's the difference between a cult and a religion? Is a cult more, like, closed off? Yeah, so like, I think it's a combination of, like, what the Romans would have said and what we would say. So yeah. now, like, definition of a cult is something that is too small to be classed as a religious group and mm-hmm. also has aspects of the faith or, or like either... secretive like they don't yeah, like religions religions always want to pick more people in whereas cults yeah are it's like an exclusive club right yeah only certain people can enter or be part members of mm-hmm. so like having that sort of hidden which is then again why lots of these old roman cults obviously were called the mysteries of whatever because you didn't learn the mysteries until you join the cult. Until you pay the fees to get in. Like yeah. Scientology. <laughs> Where you become clear. 
and learn about Lord Zeno. Okay. But yeah, as you pointed out, like it, it was one of the sort of three biggest cults, and obviously the cult of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the biggest religion in the world. Whereas the cult of Mithras, I mean, it has died out. It's not even like the cult of Isis, where you get um like small numbers of followers still today. Like there is no longer a, a cult of Mithras. It's completely vanished. It existed uh, from around 100 BCE until about the end of the 5th century, like, archaeologists think that by the end of the 5th century there just was no cults of uh, Mithras anywhere. Maybe you should bring it back, Mark, and become the new cult leader of Mithras. I mean, maybe. There's some aspects of it that sound grand, and there's some aspects of it that I'm less in. (laughs) (laughs) So, followers of the mysteries of Mithras believed that gods were two different forms and the two different forms were either like a really buff hot guy always dressed in traditional Turkish dress which like I was listening to a couple of interviews with different historians and they were all basically saying that nobody really knows why because it was spread all over the world and its main base was in the like in Italy or what we would call Italy now itself but it was mm. spread out all over the world and or over a large part of the world anyway so it was strange that he was always dressed in traditional Turkish dress Mm. wasn't in that form then he was in the form of a sort of half man half bull who again was really really buff it's like a kind of i don't know like an anthropomorphic hot bull like a sexy minotaur yeah yeah kind of like a sexy minotaur but like so it had like full bull hide so it's not like it had like a i thought it had like rocking abs it's like a bull's head and a man's really buff body but covered (laughs) bull fur well, someone somewhere out there would fancy that. There's always I mean, something for everyone. Yeah, it's kind of not like for a, me though. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I thought was like kind of interesting about it is, although I'm saying that it started around 100 BCE, Mithras, so the god that they worshipped, was actually like already, well, already sort of an existing god that had stopped being a god, which doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to sentence. So I'll explain that slightly better. So Mithras was the one of the pre-Zoroastrian gods. So Zoroastrianism, kind of like Christianity, is like an ancient, in fact, no, kind of like Judaism would be more accurate. Christianity was always monotheistic. So a bit like Judaism, Zoroastrianism is a monotheistic religion, but it wasn't always a monotheistic religion. It started out as a polytheistic religion. Okay. And when it was a polytheistic religion, Mithras was their god of contracts. So Hmm. as time went on, they dropped more and more gods and they had their kind of big god and then their four sort of gods under him and then all of their gods under them. And Mithras was one of these sort of four big gods so eventually, as they kind of whittled their gods down and got down to five, Mithras was still one of these gods. <laughs> it's like the X Factor for gods, <laughs> ancient gods. You're first in the next round. Yeah, lost. He, he was dropped out in the X Factor finals. <laughs> and they ended up with just their one main god, this monotheistic god that Zoroastrianism worships today. And then basically several hundred years passed by since they deleted the idea of Mithras ever existing. And then, and again, when I was sort of looking at it, nobody really seems to have an answer as to why. But then just all of a sudden, people who were not Zoroastrians just all of a sudden started worshipping Mithras again. And just Mithras on his own, not the rest of that pantheon. Is it because he said, uh, if you don't worship me, then I'll put a contract out on you all? I mean, maybe. Or were they contracted? They have to sign up to hmm? Yeah, they're kind of saying that, like, maybe it was that people wanted to sign up to a contract because it was the idea, like, signing up to Mithras' contract would mean that Mithras would protect you. 
So mm. that's like almost like a positive selling point. Yeah, I mean, I would, I wouldn't want to compare it to selling your soul to the devil because I don't know whether Mithras is that kind of guy or thing or entity. Well, well, I'll look back round to the devil in my explanation. Oh, right. He's got horns, therefore there's always that like devil connotation when we discuss oh, yeah, any yeah, well, deity that's got horns. Mm. Oh, oh, by the way, Loki's on Disney Plus now. Oh yeah, I watched the first episode last <laughs> I night. I haven't seen it yet. I really liked it. Beating horns. Myth. Riss was worshipped not again this is now very confusing so not in this Patreon religion in this religion that started in 100 BCE Mithras was worshipped in Mithria which is like the sort of Mithras temple but they weren't called temples they were called Mithria um, which were small normally 20 to 40 person groups um, and they were spread out all over the Roman Empire although there was larger Mithria that were like big almost proper temple sized gatherings uh, in Germany Rome several places in the Italian countryside, Syria, London and Edinburgh. So it was quite well spread. Edinburgh? Yeah, there was one found in Edinburgh. Um, it was actually what? created in the, I think it was the 1950s. Maybe wow. someone and bought it and took it home. Like a souvenir, like a kind of... Yeah, uh-huh. Or just found it and took it home. No, like it was, I mean, the entire temple was found in Edinburgh. I thought you meant a, what? a of something. No, because they were, the temples like, were always built underground. So the, oh. these temples here were always built so that they were underground. So you normally had to go downstairs or down into like a cave system to get into them. They never had any windows, so they were always completely in the dark. They had wooden benches set up on each side facing each other that ran up to like a massive altar, which normally had uh, a weird like... Very so like Illuminati. On it. Say that yeah, again. It sounds Illuminati. very Illuminati. Yeah, and then they had round about the uh, Mithria, they had all these flaming like pyres, and they had like really really low roofs. So basically, they were just above sort of what head height would be now, like for well for the average person, so maybe about like six and a half, seven feet. So really sort of low roofs, and that's why when they found the one in Edinburgh, it was like really really well preserved, as was the one in London, as was the one in Syria, because they were underground. So basically, when they stopped being used. Like, when they excavated them, they were there almost perfectly, and they all matched the same sort of floor plan. But these were the large ones, so again, most of them were for about 20 to 40 worshippers, but these ones were for hundreds of worshippers. Mm. Wow. So yeah, it was fairly well spread, and they had this really similar uh, rituals and practices that were, would take place in all of these Mithria. And uh, One of them was that they had a feast every year where people who were followers of Mithras would exchange gifts with one another, and then have this big, big feast meal to... Sounds like Christmas. <laughs> so it does sound really like Christmas, and it's actually a, a sort of um, mythology, urban myth. And people always think that it was on the 25th of December, and there's quite a lot of stuff online where people are saying, oh, like, Christians stole the date of... Mm-hmm. In order to like overtake, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was Saturnalia though. That they'd yeah, you're right. It's Saturnalia, like the yeah. uh, Mithras feast, would normally took place in June. Oh, so nice. Mithras feast right December. now, then. Yes, yeah. feast today for all we know. Um, they all had lots of stuff that indicates astrology was really important to them. So. A lot of this stuff that they believed in was like sort of working out your fate based on the stars and the planets and so on. They also, which does relate to Christianity, and this predates the Christian belief. So they kind of came up with the idea of transubstantiation. Oh, um, wow. So eating, the, it means drinking wine and eating bread and then it magically changes into the blood and flesh of Christ. Yeah, so the wine represents Jesus' blood, the Bread represents Jesus' flesh, but then when you consume it, it's part of like a magic ritual, 
and then you're literally consuming the blood and flesh of Christ. Which makes sense that they stole it off of them, because actually that seems weird in relation to all the other Christian beliefs. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. It seems weird like, according to all like, the kind of Abrahamic religions, that doesn't fit in with anything else. Whereas, yeah, with Mithras, they had this idea that so Mithras would shift from his man form into his bull form and he couldn't be a being so what would happen is their belief was like Mithras allowed his followers to become godlike because he shifted into his bull form and they literally ate his flesh and drank his blood that's disgusting one of their ceremonies is that they would like basically take so of everyone that was in the the sort of worshipping community whoever's like farm had the kind of prized bull when it was time for uh, this sort of transubstantiation feast they would lead the prized bull down into the mithria and then everyone and this is horrific would rip the bull apart and consume its flesh and blood and that bull would be the transubstantiated representation so it would be like they would be in a godlike frenzy because they were consuming this bull that represented Mithras. While it was alive. While it was alive. That's wrong. Like wrong. Well, I mean... No. We slaughter cows all the time and put them in bad conditions, but at least they're worshipping do that for a a cause. Suffering. It's proper suffering. It's not okay. Mm, Yeah, that's bad. They also have, like, fairly violent initiation ceremonies. So 90... Around 90% of Mithras, um, from what we can gather, were male. Mm. It doesn't look like there was an initiation ceremony for female followers, and given what the initiation ceremony is, that's weird, and you would think they would have more female followers than male. So most of the followers are female. The males, when they were initiated, were had never obviously been in the Mithria before, so they'd be blindfolded and led into the Mithria. Then when they were led down into it, they would be stripped while blindfolded, And then once they were naked, they would be led up to the altar, made to kneel down, and they would be un... Like, the blindfold would be removed. And then the sort of head priest of the Mithria would then, what they thought was, go to plunge a sword through their chest. And in order to be initiated into the cult, you would have to stay still, because you would be born before that whatever happened, you would stay still. And it was basically, like, one of the earliest examples of a trick blade. So they would ram it into your chest, but actually it was blunt and retractable. So That's so something that Masons would do as well. Yeah. Masons stole that. They do that in their initiation ceremonies. They have a dagger, and then they go to stab the person. Like, that's a basically a test of trust. And also, Masons are, like, probably about 90% men as well, aren't they? Yeah, this is basically that's a male, an only, a male cult in itself. Yeah, I think you, you can't be female and be a mason. Very sexist. One of my favourite things I found out about them is so you know I was saying they have like this weird carving at the front of the altar. So historians and archaeologists know that the carving represents their beliefs about creation, but all of the actual written information on it has been destroyed, so we don't know what their creation story is. And the carving is of. Mithras the man holding Mithras the bull up by like the nose ring so it's front uh, like legs are raised off the ground and he's shoving a spear through the chest of the of himself in bull form and there's blood pouring down the spear and pulling on the ground and on the ground where it's pulling a snake and a dog are both drinking the blood. There's a raven flying overhead. And then there's a scorpion riding on the bull while it's being slaughtered's testicles. What, what does that, that mean? I know yeah, what it means. I don't understand. We know, it's their, like, we know that's their creation story, but nobody knows what their creation story is. 
Oh, well. Were they, like, cackling me up? I mean, maybe. You could say that about a lot of things, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Like, what? Did the cup benefit them? Is it like the Masons where if one of them gets into trouble and the person arresting them happens to be another Mason, they just do, like, a a secret wink or a handshake and they're like, ah, right, okay, off you go then. Basically, yes, it's all about community. So there was the idea of, like, the people who are part of Mithria would help each other, but also if you were part of, like, the wider Mithria, you would help each other. So there was quite a lot of uh, soldiers that would be in it, and it meant that, say, you were, like, a soldier that lived out in the Italian countryside and you attended the Mithria, but then if you were posted at, like... So, for example, there was one of the smaller ones was at Hadrian's Wall. Oh. So Hadrian's Wall, there was a Mithria near there. So then if you needed help or advice, you could go to that Mithria and, like, obviously seek help there because you were a member of the Mysteries of Mithras. So, yeah, but it was is there... Like, like a little priest of Mithria always just a, waiting for someone to come in? Available? Yeah, basically. So all uh-huh. of the Mithria had a sort of priest in residence. There was seven like layers of being there. So once you've been through the initiation ceremony, that was you into the first sort of layer. And then the more important roles you took on, you like moved up a layer. And they had this like top, top layer or top tier. Yeah, the most senior. And that was like layer seven. And there was only ever one person in each Mithria at layer seven. And yeah, that'd be the person you would go to for advice. Again, that sounds so much like Scientology. But maybe that is a, just a sort of basic building block for a cult, that there are certain levels that you need to reach. But I don't know about Mithrans. They probably weren't charging their no, followers to get to that level. Part of it. So yeah, I think yeah. it's better than cults today because... It was about like supporting, but you didn't have to pay to get supported. Like even if you were lowest tier, you could still go to the person at the top tier for support. They were just really at the top tier because they were the most supportive. Not dedicated, yeah. Aye. That's pretty much everything we know about it. The only other things were like why it doesn't exist anymore, which there's kind of two reasons for. So one, as with a lot of sort of these older religions, is because Christianity had quite a lot to do with its downfall. So they they lifted transubstantiation from the cult of Mithras, but they didn't like that people were saying that they'd stolen the idea of transubstantiation from the cult of Mithras. And they basically started these rumours that then really took off when the Roman Empire fully converted to Christianity, that the cult of Mithras was evil, that Mithras was a representation of Satan, like he could appear as a handsome man or a horned beast. That meant he was the devil. And so the devil was tricking these people into following them so that they could trick people into spreading false rumours about Christ. So that meant a lot of people in the Roman Empire turned their back on it. So it was numbers fell and fell and fell. And then a lot of the bigger temples didn't have people attending them anymore because the numbers were so small. And then most of the small temples, the reason that they no longer exist, archaeologists think it's because most of them burnt down because of the way they were built with the low ceilings underground Mm. in the dark with these big pyres, it meant that they were really susceptible to catching fire and often catching fire during ceremonies. So there was kind of a massive drop off in the number of worshippers because of Christianity spreading these sort of false ideas. And then the final nail in the coffin was basically that a lot of them unfortunately burnt to death. And obviously if these sort of seventh level Mithrians were all dead, there was nobody to lead the worship anymore. Oh, that's sad. I mean, there's, 
there's it sounds quite like a nice cult, but obviously to our modern sensibilities, the whole bull thing isn't too great. Which I suppose you wouldn't want to be a leader of that kind of thing. But I actually like the sound of it. Yeah, I agree with it. It sounds like to me that you could go like for free fit. Yeah, it's almost like, I quite like the tears almost sounded like, yeah, you're getting trained up to be a sort of community therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're ripping a bull apart and eating it while it's still alive, but that seems a bit barbaric, but the rest of it seems lovely. I, I quite like the rest of the idea of it. I just find it strange again that the initiation ceremony for women and we've just not found any evidence of it, and maybe it was even more violent, because I just think it's odd that there was so few women that were members of it. Yeah, it seems a bit like there's something not right in there. Yeah. Like a boys club, mm. sort of. It sounds a lot like the Masons to me, like yeah. a sort of ancient uh, version of the Masons. And I really want to know what their creation story is and what the whole, like, yeah. walking, riding on the balls <laughs> thing is all about. I don't know. The behave or you'll get stung on the balls. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe they just didn't like women. It was like, maybe it was like the first kind of... Was well, it a homosexual club? Yeah. And that's why... Sorry, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the first kind of homosexual where yeah like a beer club or something yeah. like a beer club i was trying to think maybe it was because i was actually thinking as well <laughs> it's strange that the numbers didn't eventually balance out because you think that people in the ancient world like if you married you would take your family into it but maybe mm-hmm. it's like a specific religion for like gay and lesbian yeah and it like the roman empire maybe there was Somewhere there would have been smaller numbers of women that had positions of power. I suppose there would be smaller numbers of women that identified as lesbians that had positions of power. So, yeah, that might explain the sort of numbers. And then it might also explain the whole, like, their gods can either be a bull or just a really, really hot Turkish guy. Because that's (laughs) random as well. No matter where you are, even though it's a Roman religion, like, God is a really fit Turkish guy. That makes absolute sense now. It really does. And then the whole um, dagger penetrating a naked man seems like a metaphor for for penetration. (laughs) Yeah, and the dagger penetrating. Yeah. Like one form of Mithras penetrating the other form of Mithras where the other form of Mithras has his balls tickled. Yeah, we've cracked. We have solved the mystery of Mithras. Oh, wow. <laughs> and June is Pride Month, and that's when they have their feast. Is it? Yeah, yeah I'm taking oh, too far now. There we go. No, I think they knew, they knew that because of their uh, session of astrology. They knew that this is when Pride Month would be. I know. And also, I mean, let's be honest, who loves astrology more than the gays? Yeah. <laughs> I think we've actually tracked it. It's just developed a lot since then. And also, it's barbaric. They lead you into a small, dark, underground, well lit room and uh, like trip you. That's barbaric, but also, <laughs> and sometimes that's fun night out. <laughs> Sounds like heaven <laughs> in London. Oh, that I've been in there. Or GEY, which I had a great time in. But they knocked us back. Remember, we tried to get into the big yeah. club and they knocked us back because we were foreigners or something. We didn't have membership. Maybe because we had vaginas. I don't know. They probably I, I, mean, I, I didn't have anymore. a vagina on me that evening. But... Yeah, but you were with. We could, maybe they thought we were straight people. Well, I mean, we, we both kind of were. They apparently do question you at the door, like to what? make sure that you're not straight. So you have to That's... name like, other gay bars that you've been in beforehand. What if you name the ones in Glasgow, like Bennett's? And, oh, no, it's not Bennett's anymore. Polo Lounge, would I that count? Probably I don't know what that one's record. 
I don't know if they would know it or not. It's like, I'm not sure. But it would be like, where have you been tonight? So they, they would ask you where you've been tonight. So it would have been like other gay bars in London to check. I don't know why you need to be gay to go in there, though. Like, but okay, so you just... think maybe you're a gay basher and you want to go in the club to bash gays? What, There's what, more there. They'd bash you back. Yeah, they definitely would. <laughs> exactly. What they need is to be more mysterious, like the cult with mysteries and just be yeah. like, you cannot know the mysteries. And then when you get in, they're like, we're just playing... Share and everybody's having a dance party. Just a bit of Britney. Just a bit of the ancient equivalent of, of a Gloria Gaynor or something. I'm just imagining now, like all these roaming guys dancing and one of them being like, "It's Britney, bitch." Britney, bitch. Doing the Scorpion. That's their favourite dance. They did have little tiny sort of leather skirts and. Well, what does a Turkish costume look like? Uh, I mean, to be fair, the carbon that I saw was just. I just thought that seems to be something that somebody would have worn in like the first century, but apparently <laughs> specifically Turkish. The the cut of the man's skirt and the um, way that the sort of turban was carved. They're both apparently traditionally Turkish. Hmm. I, just, I just really yeah, like well, the idea that, again, it being a god from somewhere else, like, if someone was like, like, I'll describe what god looks like, and you're like, one Brazilian. Like, again, I know people are like, really, really in the of Rome, what does god look like? Well, he's Turkish. That's hilarious. It's called Shurs. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's really confusing me. It's just a series. I will tell you in a second. Because I, right. I was pronounced again because I keep forgetting. I've like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just being mysterious as well. Like no, one it's, day, we it's just I keep forgetting how to pronounce it. So this cult is actually very new because it's from well fairly new from 1998, oh. and it's it's written N X I B M, but it's pronounced uh, Nexium. So it's it's not that hard to actually pronounce. Nexium. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of that, but I can't think where. To be fair, it's um, still kind of ongoing at the moment. They're like they're actually still taking them to court right now. All the Hold to- on, is this the one? I might be wrong here. Is this the one where that lassie from what's her name? Super from Small Super. Smallville uh, got yeah. involved in. Oh, she's a, she's I don't know that's what they were called. Yeah, it was like a sex cult. She's pleaded guilty in 2019 um, for racketeering. Um, but yeah, she was. It seems to have a lot of rich people in it, and a lot of rich people that even those two girls that were like um, heiresses that got their family involved. Basically, anyone with money they got involved. Apparently, Richard Branson was in it for a wee while, but <laughs> denies it. Does he need to be in it for? Well, basically, so they obviously do not say that they're a cult. Um, so it was created by a dude called um, Ranier and um, called Nancy Zelsman. So they founded it as a, you know, these personal development companies, like these self-help ones. And it basically mm-hmm. is on executive success um, with like self-improvement crap in it. So they're not a cult. Yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not advertising themselves as a cult or a religion or or that you follow me or anything like that. We're just going to teach you how to be more successful, supposedly. But obviously, it's, it's very expensive. Like, to join it, it's... Oh, what was the actual join fee? was something like eight grand or something to join it. And hmm. a lot of people ended up, like, obviously paying a lot of money into it because, basically, you're supposed to... Oh, what's the teaching? So it's teaching. It's like... Wait, sorry. I'll keep losing my place. Mm-hmm. So, basically, the way they started it was that... So, that Ranya guy, he gets to be called... Vanguard and the woman Nancy, she's the prefect. So everyone is basically like following them, and it's all this stuff about that you destroy your 
you sort of destroy any like negative or enemies ideas and that increases your own power so they're kind of teaching you how to like empower yourself i guess so, all right i mean the piece of mattress did that for free so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so on the face of it it sounds just like any other kind of health self like self-help thing but it like that's why then they've sort of excused it as being a, a pyramid scheme um because to get in you have to pay a lot of money um yeah so it's eight thousand dollars or seven thousand and a half dollars so is it like um you know like these multi-level marketing companies or something where you need to is that what a pyramid scheme is you need to recruit someone yeah to recruit for you and so on and so on so you're at the top then the people that are in the shit are at the bottom yeah and then all that money basically goes up to the the top so their their mission statement is like a 12 point statement where participants are pledging to purge themselves of all parasites and envy based -based habits and to also bring more people into it and to ethically control as much money and wealth and resources in the world as possible. So they're literally, their whole purpose is to get rid of all their own stuff and bring in more money and recruit more people. Um, and that's their 12-point statement. And I'm just like, that. How could, I don't even know how you could fall for that if that is your mission statement. Um, yeah, how does that benefit you in any way? Don't know. Or maybe it's like being tricked into being like, oh, money doesn't matter, blah, blah, and we need to control the world. And um, But yeah, the course is basically it, like an intensive class, intensive classes. So you go to over 16 days, you attend 12 hours um, divided into all these different modules. And the thing is, they don't have too much information on exactly what goes on because everyone has to sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, before they even join it. So we're not even allowed to actually know what goes on in there. But some of the, there's been people that have escaped and then like accidentally well accidentally leaked information so anyone that's escaped and tried to leak the information he's taken them to court to sue them because they broke their nda agreement like like, just the idea of ndas is crazy in any context like it's ridiculous that you can be like oh how dare you reveal that we're breaking the law and putting people's lives at risk yeah i'm saying that you're not allowed to tell anyone that and then you're and then the person revealing the crime is the person that gets into trouble. Yeah, I know. That's what I don't understand. Like, it's it's just mad. So apparently there's all these different modules in it. One is relationship sourcing, sourcing, where students are instructed to explore the oh, this bit sick, to explore the benefits that they would receive in the event of a partner's death. Like, they're actually told to, like, oh, if your, if your partner just suddenly died, what kind of things would you get? Like, what could you do to benefit from that death? So I, like, take out insurance policies and stuff, which is really fucked. Fucking hell. Um, so apparently they were, like, kind of, they did a lot of, like, psychological kind of tests on them as well. And so there's one called Dracula and his Ghouls, where <laughs> they basically sat and spoke about psychopaths and psychopath followers. And there's, like, a module apparently called The Best People in the World, Perfect World, The Heroic Strugg- Struggle, where they would basically sort of delve into, like, their childhood memories to try and, I don't I don't know what the fuck they were doing, but even that just seems a bit, what are you doing to these people? There was apparently a doctor that was, like, part of it as well, and he was monitoring, like, a woman's, like, EEG, like, her heart rate and all that. Well, they got her to watch footage on people getting murdered in front of her. So they seem to do, like, a lot of, like, fucked up kind of psychological stuff as well. And, yeah, so the new... You know, you were saying about different levels. Like, the, the new people that come in, they are called the slaves. And the more senior people are called the masters over the slave. Right, that's fucked. That and sounds yeah, like sex cult. Yeah. So you can <laughs> go up all these different levels of this. Like, the sex stuff, there's not given details on it, but it's more that 
in court because they're in court right now over this where they're getting done for sex trafficking forced labor and forced labor and some of the women like one of the women that did escape she was basically accusing them of like sex trafficking and them all having to have sex obviously with the guy in charge but he obviously denies it all and says none of this ever happened um yeah, so i just looked up that keith ranier and it says he was sentenced to 120 years in prison yeah no the thing is, yeah, it all finished in like October 2020. Sorry, we're in 2021. Fuck, yeah. I keep thinking that we're still in 2020. I know, it's weird. It's so much. Yeah. Referring to it as a sex cult, mm, sex trafficking, sex racketeering, tra- child pornography, possession, and yeah. other crimes. Wow. It's just a bit, yeah. Alison Mack was the woman who it's was in like, Smallville and she played oh, Chloe. Yeah. I remember my workmates talking about this when we were in the office and they were all like really interested in it. And that's how I found out about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was mostly the lesbians that were interested in it for yeah. some weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> God. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? 10% of lesbians join uh, the cult of mistress, but 90% of lesbians join this cult. No, they don't join it, I don't think. I think they're just interested in talking about it. Like, they don't, they're repelled by it, but they find it very intriguing. Yeah, I don't know. So I think it's like highest days, it had about 18,000 followers. But see, today there's still 60 people that remain loyal to him. Even, so though, like, even though he's in prison... Yeah. For 120 100 years, they're years. still following his... Pop- well, I suppose yeah. he'd be like a martyr to the cause, wouldn't he? Yeah, because they've all been brainwashed, haven't they? Mm. Like, it's just really fucked up. So yeah, apparently women were forced into like sexual slavery, but nobody's allowed to talk about it, so no one actually knows exactly. Right. Sure, like, Again, completely insane, like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I don't know, what what does it take to... We considered ourselves fairly normal don't we like adjusted well-adjusted people how i think it's what would it take what would it take for someone to lure you into a cult would it be like lies would they give you a false sense of security and then sure within it you you're sort of like yeah it's like you're probably at a really vulnerable stage in your life like something has happened to you and you're already looking for something looking for someone to either take care of you or offer you something so this would have been offering oh we'll teach you how to be successful we'll teach you how to make all this money we'll like teach you to be a better person and to be a better you so like who wouldn't want to learn that but then it's the brainwashing and manipulation that's very fucked up to get you to then that shit i think someone would have to offer to give me some sort of like actual powers like not power but powers like if somebody (laughs) pointed at a car and raised it off the ground with their mind and then turned the car into a million butterflies and went if you come with me, I'll teach you how to do this. That is the only way that I would enter a cult. If someone right. it was like really successful already and said to you, I'll teach you to be this successful. But, that, but <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't, but a lot of people would. Like half these... No, I, to be fair, yeah, I understand that's going to get people. Yeah. I think, yeah, like the one yeah, so but if they said that... But- like if they said that to me and then they then they paused and then they said at but for the price of five thousand dollars I'd be like, ah fuck off, no way. That's the thing. A lot of people wouldn't say that. Like see a lot of the kids that we get starting in my work that want to be traders, mm. they're literally mm-hmm. wanting to do anything to become a trader because they think that's success and that's what makes them happy. Yeah, it's like, like success and money, isn't it? It's the same, like, when mm-hmm. Leslie said MLMs. Like, I mean, I'm sure all three of us have been offered to join multiple MLMs. We do it all the time. But I join it, I'm like, no. Because the way that people float that to you is always either, oh, you'll be able to build your own business and be your own boss. And I'm like, and work oh, your own hours. That sounds awful. Or 
you'll make so much money like in your first year you'll make three times your wage this year and I'm like one is out of wood and two I mean I'm on a right wage so I'm actually fine like cheers yeah I mean that would never work for me because I don't have enough friends to like sell all that shit to and try and recruit so I mean nobody has enough friends to sell all that shit to no yeah, I just there's a woman in my work who did the forever aloe vera stuff, and she brought in her her little sales pitch and everything, and actually bought shit off it. But I didn't know it was an MLM at that point until I looked at more into it, and then I was like, "What have I done?" It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of shit. <laughs> so it, yeah, it concerns me. I don't know if she still does it, but it doesn't. Really but that matter. is a pyramid scheme. Oh. That is what an MLM is. It's literally mm. a scheme, but without joining a cult, you're just joining nonsense. To make more money for them. Sort of cult, isn't it? A cult of business. Like yeah. you say, the, the cult of the traders. Yeah. The cult of the like, financial world. It is a bit of a cult. A oh, boys yeah. club as well. Really? Like you think of the Wolf of Wall Street mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what Jordan Belfort. Jordan Belfort of um, the Wolf of Wall Street fame. He now is a motivational speaker and he makes millions off of that. Even though he was jailed for, you know, the, all the all these guys that are caught for like financial fraud mm-hmm. for like say seven years and then they come out and do like conferences mm-hmm. books. exactly yeah i think yeah. if you're charismatic and you've got the gift of the gab you could lure anyone in if you bullshit enough elron hubbard mm-hmm. said the best right so i'm gonna go into the scientology thing because a lot of what you guys have said ties into scientology yeah. the only difference is that scientology have managed to uh, convert their cult into a official sort of religion because they've got tax-free status and it wasn't L. Ron Hubbard that achieved that was David Miscavige who took over from L. Ron Hubbard and he's like a fucking evil dictator apparently <laughs> who has his hands on Tom Cruise and they're like one and the same person now for some weird reason they look like each other and they dress like each other and stuff but they all claim that like L. Ron Hubbard said that the best way to make money is to start your own religion and to repeat a lie constantly until it becomes a truth to that's your followers. So that's really fucked up. He's actually said that. So yeah, he's believing his own shit. No. <laughs> He started off as a, a screenwriter for, like, in Hollywood, he would write some screenplays and then he did some pulp science fiction novels. And then he decided to write this novel called Dianetics. And again, there's levels to it. So he claimed that the every human being is, in a, is not, like, your body is just a shell and inside you are an immortal spiritual being called a fetin. But there's loads of dark negative things attached to the fetins and the, the goal is to unlock special powers because they they said basically what he says is that the higher up the level in Scientology that you you go to the more clear you'll be when you remove all these negative things from your spit like from your feet and your spirit um and then you will gain special powers like to save mankind <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and I think Tom Cruise genuinely believes that he is some sort of fucking special guy like high up because they pander to him so much like I think that Scientology desperately need him if he decided yeah. to leave I think they would be desperately fucked and John Travolta, who was well known to be in the Scientologist, has been sidelined in favour of Tom Cruise. It really pisses me off when, like, for instance, like Empire magazine this month did a big special about how Tom Cruise is saving the movie industry. Is he fucked? Like, they're making him out to be this big hero and everything when when they're when he's part of a sick cult. 
yeah like place where there's literally people who are being put in a hole if they don't do what david miscavage wants them to do and they have like this this same um, organization right so elron hubbard back in the early days decided to create something called the sea org because he said that if you're out at sea then there's no distractions or anything like that so you've got more time to concentrate on things but they had to sign a contract to say because they believe in reincarnation well that's what his beliefs has sort of like dogmas yeah because he said you're an immortal being so it is when you die he's taking bits from buddhism and stuff like that so when you die you just merely attach yourself to a new body and then you have to go forth and try and clear yourself but the excuse is that's why he gets people in the Sea Org to sign a 1,000 year contract because you're not only a member of the Sea Org in this life, but you will be in the next and the next and the next. So you're basically signing a contract for life that you will work for Scientology on the basis that you're becoming, you're signing your life away. You're a slave to Scientology of what they're called employees. But if you fall out of line, they have to grass each other up. And if some, if David Miscavige, the leader doesn't like what you're doing he will put you in a hole and abuse you for ages like and these are higher high level people um that have left scientology like mike rinder who used to be very high up he was in charge of like chasing people who were against scientology he would put in what's called the fair game policy so fair game is something that elon hubbard come up came up with so um he says that 20 percent of the population of the world are suppressive people or sps and they're just beyond all redemption like they're just enemies to everyone mankind scientology so if you're an sp or if you leave Scientology for any reason, you're an enemy of Scientology, and that means you're fair game. And that means that they basically do everything they can to make your life hell. They'll send what they call private investigators out on you to, to spy on you. They'll like sit outside your house to intimidate you. They'll try and slander you in any way that they can, get you fired from your job. It's just constant harassment all the time. And that's what fair game is. <laughs> what kind of religion does that yeah they call themselves a religion if you leave the catholic church you're not going to get priests going around trying to get you to i mean people do get ostracized for leaving not by the church but by their families and stuff people do get ostracized really badly leave a religion yeah Um, it's not stupid it's not okay like it's really they're told to completely disconnect if you leave scientology become an sp and you're told to completely disconnect from all your family so if you've got like say a wife or a son or or something that are still in scientology you decide to leave they don't want to come with you they have to cut off all ties and treat you like an enemy but funnily enough when tom cruise was married to katie holmes and then she decided to escape because she didn't want her daughter and basically recruited into the Sea Org. Um, she managed to escape because her dad's like a lawyer and she made a big plan to get out. She she planned it really well. Why she would have been fucked. Also, she's got like Tom Cruise like as a sort of, I don't know, collateral. So they had a daughter together. I'm convinced that he's not the father of her daughter. But anyway, that's another story. And according to Scientology lore or law he should not be seeing his daughter ever again because she's a suppressed person so but they've made an exception in his case and he does get to see her sometimes but he doesn't see her a lot it doesn't see her a lot but he does still get to see her unlike the cover people if they're under Scientology they're not allowed to see their family at all if they're dying of cancer or whatever they're not allowed to see them they're told to stay away 
Wow. Right, have you got any questions? <laughs> I, I, I don't really know where to start. Like, it's, it's just literally as if you've got the definition of cult and mm. made something around it. Well, it's the whole self-help. It started off as basically yeah. Dianetics yeah. is like a self-help. And he doesn't call it, he didn't call it, I don't know what to say, like dogma or anything like that. Or mm. it's, he said it was, was it, it was more technology he called it. That's where the science comes from. He claimed just, it was based I've, on science. I've never understood where the science has said from. Like I've literally because they use technology like e-meters. So <laughs> um, there's so much in this, right? I like um, use technology like meters in the same way that I use like a potato light bulb to see Yazzie's future. <laughs> <laughs> Um, apparently he claims that the people who are Scientologists are allowed to worship other religions and they can choose whatever god they believe in but they still have to adhere to the Scientology rules but the reason why he wanted it to be a religion and tax because he oh, wanted the tax free so that he could make more money because they say that the, the cost of going through all the different courses of Scientology can amount to half a million pounds or dollars. Mm-hmm. And even then, when you finish the course, they'll add on new courses so they can continue oh. making money off of you. And they don't need to claim tax because okay. they class themselves as a religion. And the only way that they managed to... Yeah, I was going to say, like, L. Ron Hubbard never managed to do it, but David Miscavige... The only way he managed to do it was by threatening the CIA, members of the CIA and the FBI, with intimidations and blackmail. And he said that they must have found something on them or harassing them constantly, to the point where eventually they just caved in and gave them tax exempt status. I mean, that is insane. Just even going back to the point that you basically made, Jazz, when you brought it up, Leslie, like that, well, if, you, if you're saying to members of your religion, but you can follow other religions, though, then you're not a religion. That's not a religion, yeah. I wouldn't say, yeah, that's fine, you can be a Jew and also follow Hinduism, or yeah, you uh-huh. can be like a Sikh and also follow like ancient Egyptian paganism. Like, that makes sense. You just have to be the one religion, that's how religion works. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really crazy. And they, they, they managed, because they got tax exemption status, they obviously like they made shitloads of money and they brought in a lot of celebrities back in the sort mm. of 70s when Elmer Hubbard was around. And they really focus on rich celebrities as well, to the point that they have their own celebrity centre and they get treated much better than like the, the ordinary Scientologists like down the pecking order. But they also seem to be very homophobic as well. Like they don't yeah. like they don't like gay people. Which seems to me like John Travolta, I'm pretty sure is a closeted gay, as is you know who. And uh, <laughs> You know who I feel like <laughs> <laughs> you might come, climb out your toilet if you say his name too many times. <laughs> I feel like they're there to cover up or suppress the fact that like they are closeted like gays. But Scientology is probably saying that that a means of like they call it an abomination. I think and they say that you have to work your way through to clear yourself of that. And one of the guys that was in Scientology was called Paul Haggis. He's quite a famous screenwriter. His movies have won Oscars and he was quite high up in Scientology. And that's what made him leave Scientology was because of their policy on or their stance on Proposition 8. Mm-hmm. He wanted that they he wanted them to publicly renounce Proposition 8, which meant that, you know, like it prevented people the same sex from having marriages from getting married and he said he he felt so strongly about it he said he said there's been a hidden anti-gay sentiment in the church for a long time 
Mm-hmm. He was shocked on too many occasions to hear Scientologists, Scientologists make derogatory remarks about gay people. And then he quoted L. Ron Hubbard. The initials, he said there's a story that he knew someone called Katie, who's the youngest of three daughters from his first marriage who lost the friendship of a fellow Scientologist after revealing that she was gay. The friend began warning others, Katie is 1.1. The number refers to a sliding tone scale of emotional states that Hubbard published in a 1951 book, The Science of Survival. A person classified as 1.1 was, Hubbard said, covertly hostile, the most dangerous and wicked level. And he noted that people in this state engaged in such things as casual sex, sadism and homosexual activity. So basically, Scientologists can equate homosexuality with being a pervert. Again, it's that sort of like offering people things that aren't real that they want, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. like if you look at like Tom Cruise and John Travolta, like if they are both gay, which obviously they're heavily rumoured to be, but they don't want to be gay. And then obviously the sort of Scientologist stance on mental health as well. And if you look at like Kirstie Alley's obviously a really famous Scientologist and she obviously has serious mental health problems if you look at Yeah. One. She so claimed that, that that Scientology saved her from, from dying of a cocaine problem. But the truth is their their drug they have drug rehabilitation schemes courses in Scientology but it doesn't work it really doesn't but she obviously I don't know there's some some issues going on there I think with Kirstie Alley and a lot of people maybe they've I think with their e-meter things because one of the methods that they do to make yourself clear is you know how you ever see them say free stress test and everything they have yeah, these yeah, things yeah. called meters yeah. and the way that you clear yourself is to be audited and how you do that is you basically you tell them about like it's like a confessional basically and you tell them all this stuff that you wouldn't normally tell anyone it could be real personal shit and they record it all and then they if they see something i can't they claim this is the, the technological part of it if they see like a little sort of change in the graph or whatever in this e-meter then that's a, a bad thing that's attached to your spirit so they'll mention it and say well what you just spoke about there there's obviously something going on there so you need to tell me more about that and go into more detail and then when you confess it all they'll say oh that's that gone now that's you that cleared that part but actually they're just like, gathering a lot of dirt that they can use against you if you leave and, and, you, probably stuff got and you probably feel better because you've got stuff off your chest yeah so yeah that's so bad and a lot because um because in the early days a lot of psychiatrists yeah psychiatrists i think that's what they're called anyway or therapists uh psychotherapists said that l ron hubbard's dianetics was just a lot of bollocks it actually wasn't it wasn't helpful at all it's just like your standard sort of pop self-help yeah uh he said he declared that all psychiatry was dangerous and it's what caused the rise of adolf hitler and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) and he went to war against psychiatrists which um, i don't understand what the link could be there i don't know um there was like the consequences of this is that in 1997, there was um, the death of one of their members, who was called Lisa McPherson. What happened is she had a mental breakdown. She she crashed her car in Clearwater, Florida, and Scientology is massive in Florida. That's where one of their headquarters is in Clearwater. So if you go to Clearwater, Florida, chances are you'll be bumping into loads of Scientologists. They're fucking everywhere. So where Scientology has its spiritual headquarters, she stripped off her clothes and wandered naked down the street. 
She was taken to hospital, but in the company of several other Scientologists, she checked out against doctor's advice. The church considers psychiatry, like I said there, an evil profession. McPherson spent the next 17 days being subjected to church remedies, such as doses of vitamins and attempts to feed her with a turkey baster. Now, Tom Cruise mentioned this in one of his interviews when uh, Matt Lohr um, said to him about the whole psychiatry thing. And Tom Cruise went off his fucking nut and started so- going on about how vitamins are better than cycle, you know, like drugs that I'm on to con- like control my depression. I don't think vitamins is going to help me there. You know no, what I mean? Like, hey, if you <laughs> just have an orange. Yeah, basically, here, have some fucking vitamins. She became comatose and died of a pulmonary embolism before church Mm -hmm. members finally brought her to the hospital. The medical examiner in the case, Joan Wood, initially ruled that the cause of death was undetermined, but she told a reporter, this is the most severe case of dehydration I've ever seen. So these Scientologists claim that they are medical practitioners when they're Definitely not. They're they're actually committing a crime by practicing. Um, yeah. How are they not getting done for like murder or something? Because they've got so many lawyers. They've got that much money that they have so many lawyers, and they can just constantly. That's something they do to people. They'll sue a person. Yeah. Like Mike Rinder, when he left, immediately his wife um, filed for divorce, and it took five years for him to finally get that divorce because they would constantly delay it with more and more like lawyers and affidavit and just like they would just constantly prolong it so that they could because he had to declare every year how much he was making how he was earning money and stuff like that so that's why they did that so that they could constantly get dirt on him to the point where they ran out of time and the judge like like enough of this shit let's just get this over with yeah it's just it's mad nasty yeah well that's the thing because she said it was like basically murder the state of florida filed charges against the church but in february 2000 under withering questioning from experts hired by the church would declare that the death was accidental so now she's changing her tune she's probably paid off and the charges were dropped and would resigned resigned right to live out her days under the money of scientology I can you resign from your religion? Yeah. <laughs> Nonsense. Nonsense. It's just... So I think the most crazy thing about Scientology, which I think majority of people know now because of Lights of South Park exposed it, because Chef, the guy who played Chef, what was his name? Isaac. <gasps> Isaac Hayes. I was surprised that he was a Scientologist, you know? Because yeah. he did um, a, an episode exposing the mad shit on um, Scientology <laughs> that he decided to leave so they killed off Chef. Yeah, here it is. Right, so they called it the Space Opera and the Wall of Fire. Now this is what you apparently find out when you reach the top level of Scientology and a lot of people like Paul Haggis said that had they known that this is what they would learn um, when they started Scientology, they wouldn't have signed up. No way. So wow. they hold that at higher levels in an initiation, mystical teachings are imparted that may be harmful to unprepared readers. The teachings are kept secret from members who have not reached these levels because they want to rinse as much money out as possible. Because if they hear this, they'll probably think, fuck this and leave. By that time, they're probably so brainwashed that they've got no choice but to stay. Once they've reached the levels above clear, they are told how 
to reverse the effects of past life trauma patterns that supposedly extend millions of years into the past. Among these advanced teachings is the story of Xenu, introduced as a tyrant ruler of the Galactic Confederacy. According to this story, 75 million years ago, Xenu brought billions of people to Earth in spacecraft resembling Douglas DC-8 airliners, stacked them around volcanoes and detonated hydrogen bombs into the volcanoes. The (laughs) Fetans then clustered together, stuck to the bodies of the living and continue to do this day, this today. Scientologists at advanced levels place considerable emphasis on isolating body Fetans and neutralising their ill effects. (laughs) So he's saying that basically the reason why they have body Fetans or why they're Fetans is because they're, they're basically got the ghosts of dead aliens attached to them and they have to clear them in order to <laughs> I don't know, I mean, that doesn't make any fucking sense, sense. <laughs> 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 oh there's a lot of like mess up so much it, it's a bit like insidious isn't it like <laughs> you've got angry ghosts stuck on you that's what's wrong I love that yeah. it's like it's not um, the house it's your child <laughs> I mean, I could go on and honestly, I could do a whole podcast about um, Scientology. I think if you're really interested in, in seeing, like, and finding out more about it, don't look to actual Scientologists because yeah. they'll just try and indoctrinate you. I think one guy said on Ghost Adventures program that I went because he went to this haunted house that supposedly, like, well, Elon Hubbard used to live in, and they said that he was practicing like black magic in there and weird shit like that, like try to summon demons, and they think it place is haunted by him. And this guy who used to be a Scientologist said that, yeah, when they bring you in, they'll do the auditing thing and they'll get you to, like, knock on a wall or something and then do it over and over again. And then if you do that so many times, it's to try, it's to see how willing you are to how willing you are to be controlled or how yeah. easy it is to control you. Because if you're willing to base someone, then that's them got you. But I would, I would also recommend there's a podcast that Leah Remini, who is now outspoken, quite famous outspoken ex-Scientologist. She used to be in King of Queens. Mm. And she played the guy, I mean, character's wife on King of Queens. And she was born into Scientology. Her family brought her up in it. And she said she was abused and everything. And they weren't allowed um, access to the internet or anything like that. So they wanted to keep their members ignorant of what actually was going on in the outside world. And if you're caught, try to look stuff up then you're punished basically and put in the hole um she eventually left because she questions she questions miscavige about where his wife shelly is because she used to be Mm -hmm. friends with his wife and she hadn't been seen for ages and it's still a mystery today where shelly miscavige is because no one's seen her and she tried to put in a missing persons report for her a lot of people speculate that she might have been put in the hole or she could have been murdered but we don't know Nobody knows where she is. But they do, she does a podcast with Mike Rinder, who also left um, Scientology, called Fair Game. And they explain it all, basically. And they tell you all the stuff that's happened. So, And they also had, like, a program that the Scientologists managed to get cancelled because that's what they're like. It's called Fair Game? (laughs) Yeah, Fair Game. I might get Fair Game if a Scientologist listens to this. (laughs) Uh, good luck. Try fair game me. I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't know what you're gonna do. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> yeah, if anybody contacts either of you about your cults, then that'll be terrifying. But if somebody contacts, like, I really want to find out the cult of Mithras is still real. Yeah. Well, like I say, they might bring it back, or someone might. 
if you how how many people do does there need to be in a cult for it to be a cult? Can you be your own one person cult? I don't think cults call themselves a cult. No. Well, Scientology obviously doesn't call themselves a cult. Also, something about Scientology that makes me laugh is that some people refer to them who are not Scientologists um, as clams. because yeah. they, So they call them clams. It's like a derogatory term for a Scientologist. And really? it's because L. Ron Hubbard claimed that you could have been anything in your past life, including a clam. Is a clam? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Do you believe in that? Yeah, it's mad. But I would suggest it maybe if you, you look into it more, but it is crazy. And they definitely shouldn't have tax-exempt status. And I think that the more people who leave it and the more people speak out of it and don't give in to the fair game policy, then I think that eventually Scientology is going to lose its power. I wonder what would happen when Tom Cruise dies. I just don't know how it's <laughs> power to start with. It's utter nonsense. Yeah, like I say, it pissed me off the Empire magazine did a whole feature on Tom Cruise, not men- didn't mention Scientology once. I feel like writing in saying, like, you're making him out to be some sort of fucking saviour or god of the movies, and that's just what he wants to think he is. Yeah. And you know how that thing that leaked when he was shouting at people for, you know, like, breaking oh, the COVID I- rules? COVID I think that's disgusting what he did. And Leah Ramini said that, yeah, that's a Scientology trait, that he does that all the time. He shouts at people if he doesn't think that you, if you've done the slightest thing wrong, he thinks it's okay to just shout at people right. like that because he's right. better than, yeah, because he's so, like, high up in the Scientology. Like, anything they do is, like, Tom Cruise gets what he wants. He fired his publicist and then brought in his sister, who's also a Scientologist. And that's when all the mad shit started happening, you know, when he started jumping on the couch and stuff and getting more and more, like, bringing up Scientology more and more. There's just something about Tom Cruise I really, really don't like. And what he did to Nicole Kidman, he doesn't speak to... He basically called her a suppressed person and she doesn't get to see her adopted children anymore. Well, that's cults for you. What cult would you start? If you could, let's end it on a fun note. And it's involving food, because I'm always hungry. <laughs> it would be like you'd have to keep bringing different like recipes and stuff like that. And different that sounds great. Does that include drinks as well? Yeah. Like, be, be, like every session would be like a party. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Mark? I feel like I could either restart the cult of Mithras or the cult of Bast, because they're both the, the things alike. <laughs> like, Cats and parties. Underground yeah. plots. <laughs> Did you bring like oh what are they called the um, the gods that we were talking about? Whenever we had Loki and then the the chicken guy. I feel like they should come. Oh, uh, Abraxas. Yeah, yeah, I, love yeah, them. Yeah, I feel Abraxas. like they should come yeah. to our club. They would be really fun. So yeah, you have Abraxas all the time. <laughs> and Abraxas is buff as well. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he's got the head of a. He's oh, a isn't he? With snake. Yeah. He's a he's a walking metaphor for cocks. Yeah, <laughs> he should Snape. join your cult. He's got <laughs> sexy ass. He penetrates you with his spear. I don't know if he does, but he's got snake hips. He does have snake hips. I love Araxis. My cult, I think my cult would be, I think, more akin to the the Church of Satan, as in, like, you do what you like as long as it doesn't harm others. Yeah, just do what, like, the cult is a cult of selfishness, basically. Do what makes like you're not harming anyone. Yeah, like selfish. Well, it's basically if you don't, if you want, do things that make you happy. Don't bow to other people because they like if they tell you stuff that doesn't like that you don't want to do. Don't do it to please them. Yeah. Do things that make you happy. 
Michael. Let's see that's scary. Yeah, and we all have to wear blue robe. <laughs> that sounds possible. I'm good with that. We can have like joint cult parties as well. And also, be, it would be like Rastafarianism where we all smoke weed and eat edible. Ah. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so what are we going to do for next week's episodes? Uh, whose turn is it to pick a number? Yes. Me. Uh, two. Number two is. Oh, uh, well, you have to explain this one, Yaz, because it's one of your suggestions. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what I'm on about suggesting. I think I can, like, I can roughly make, I, I can guess what it is that you mean, but I might be wrong, so you can explain it. So we're going to do. It was what? The baddies. The baddies. Oh, that was like a superhero one, like when we were doing Marvel things. So it was just like to talk about your favourite baddies. Okay. Like from film, TV, and comics. Yeah. Uh huh. It kind of came off a Marvel episode. We were talking about, like, because it was, oh no, it was from that genetic one when we were talking about genetics. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of the baddies are like genetically modified or genetically engineered. And I just think baddies are so much cooler than the goodies. I always prefer the bad guys to the good guys. They're always so much more interesting. They've got more interesting like backgrounds and stories and stuff. I'm not saying that Adolf Hitler is like a great guy or anything, but like, yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's where either of our minds went. No, I'm thinking like being goblin type baddies. Where they all actually have anti-heroes. Anti-heroes kind of people yeah, like actually, Dracula is. Yeah, so I'm a child like, a hero to me. Yeah, yeah. or like Shredder. He oh, always annoyed me. Mm. That's a good one. I still love the turtles. He was yeah. voiced by Uncle Phil from. Is it the Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Yeah, not know that. Know that no. That's <laughs> cool. Um, right, well, I'm gonna go and eat some Scotch pie and beans and chips, oh, which yum. is such a healthy meal, but yeah. it's typical Scottish <laughs> Glasgow <laughs> fare. <laughs> Cool. Okay, um, well, hail, hail Mithras and Abraxas, and fuck you, Elrond Hubbard and David Miscavige, and talk yes, to us. Yes, to all of that. Anything to say, yes? No, just be happy. No. <laughs> don't, don't piss people don't off. Join don't join a, a cult. That, actually, that's my life philosophy. Don't be a dick and don't be a twat, and everyone should be fine. And be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other, dude. Well, and it. I mean, Keanu Reeves. Fat, can I create the call of Keanu Reeves? Because, like, that guy, you just can't fault him. I mean, agreed. Like, <sighs> what a guy. Okay, well, love y'all. Bye. Bye, my lovers. Crystal. Men.